there comes a time when that type of doing it all mentality that got us a little bit of success will be the same thing that roadblocks us from getting to the next level. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It's your gal, Carly. We are at episode 43 today, which is miraculous to think that less than a year ago, we didn't even have the idea to start a podcast. And here we are, 43 episodes in. We've got over 9,000 regular listeners all over the world. And all of this has happened through some consistency but not through anything fancy or complicated. If you've known me at all, you know that I'm all about doing what's simple because that's what actually gets done. And we haven't done any advertising, no fancy marketing platforms, nothing. And what I'm noticing is that A, women are hungry for conversation that gives us the nourishment to have the careers we want. And also that there are a lot of myths floating out around the career world about what allows us to do our best work. And I want to share a little story with you right here at the top of this episode that I just shared recently on social media. This is one of my favorite stories to tell when I come into big corporations like IBM or more recently with Ginny Media with their entire global team to talk about the way we spend our time and how to be conscious about where it goes professionally. So we're doing this thing on Sunday evenings now over on my Instagram account where we're creating a soothing the Sunday scary story. (laughs) This has come about because so many women tell me that Sunday around 4 p.m. is when all the feels start to bubble up. You might even have been enjoying your weekend and now you're aware that tomorrow's the day you're going back to work and anxiety starts to mount. And it's such a common occurrence for high achieving women, regardless of whether or not you're in a particularly stressful time of your career, this really tends to show up like clockwork. And so I've been sharing some stories to kind of reframe that. And I'm going to share one with you right now. If you're not following me on Instagram, though, or um, Facebook, absolutely go do that because we're posting these every Sunday night. So here's the story. Once upon a time, there was an entire team of lumberjacks sent out in the wood to cut down some trees for logging. And there was two lumberjacks in particular who happened to be stationed right next to each other. And one was a senior lumberjack who'd been working for a long time, very big and strong. And they were chopping to the best of their strength and ability. They're chopping log after log after log, put in a long, sweaty, hard day's work. But every so often, they would glance over at the lumberjack next to them, and they noticed that the lumberjack would chop down a tree or two, and then they would disappear. They'd come back, and they'd chop down another tree or two, and then they'd wander off. And all day long, this slacker lumberjack is doing a little work and then walking away, and doing a little work and then walking away. And of course, the senior lumberjack is getting furious at the lack of work ethic over here, but couldn't wait till the end of the day because they get paid per log. And so the senior lumberjack couldn't wait to rub it in the face of the lumberjack who didn't seem to be working as hard. So 
Now it's the end of the day and all of the logs are being weighed and tallied. And it turns out that the lumberjack who kept disappearing throughout the day actually had chopped more trees. So now you can imagine the lumberjack, the first one who had been putting in all this sweat equity all day long is furious and turns to the other lumberjack and says, what's your deal? Where have you been going all day? How is it possible that you have cut more logs than me? Hadn't you seen how hard I've been working? And the second lumberjack pauses and says, wait a minute, are you telling me that all day long you never stop to sharpen your blade? And I love this story, right? I love the story because I think so many of us get headstrong during the day. I know that I certainly can if I don't have some systems built in to help me pause. And we will begin to work the hardest, not necessarily doing our best work. And for a long time, I think that many of us have been taught that good work is the same as hard work, and it's not always the case. And so today, I just want to share with you another way of looking at productivity in our new economy. I want to share with you some other things that work really well. So specifically, we're going to talk here in a moment about the law of diminishing returns. And how there might be well-meaning things that you're doing that are accidentally sabotaging your best work. And then, of course, what to do about it, right? (laughs) It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to know how to fix it. And I want to make sure that we know how to address some of these common workplace pitfalls together. So we're actually going to go over the six different types of work that we want to make sure we're doing throughout the week. Even if you have one job, even if you just have one career or one specific project or one goal in mind. The same exact work, so to use our example here of the lumberjack, we can't always just be chopping down the trees. There have to be moments where we're pausing to sharpen the blade or going for a walk or some of the other things that I'm about to mention today. So my intention for today's call is to make sure that you walk away from this episode more aware of where your particularly best work is coming from so that you no longer need to do copious quantities of busy work, that you can actually know when and where to strategically sharpen your blade so that more work gets done in less time, hopefully with a little less sweat equity. So let's kick this off by talking about the law of diminishing returns. This is an economic principle that's been around for a very long time. And it was brought to my attention that it might be a good time to talk about it today, actually, because one of the women in the Reclaiming Time Studio, the group coaching program that I run, she runs a shop over in Switzerland, and they're just entering their second year. So congratulations on that, of running a shop. And oh my gosh, can you imagine? Maybe you can, because you've just done it, opening a business in the same year that COVID was coming when none of us knew it. So it's a pretty amazing feat to get a business off the ground, to get a business off the ground right about now is extraordinary. And she's looking at where she's spending her time and she's wanting to get a little bit more thoughtful about where she's spending her time. Because like most of us, when you first open a business or you first start your career, you do all the things, you wear all the hats because you have to, because you need to. And also because it's great life experience. You now have a good sense of what it takes to get all these different tasks done. But there comes a time when that type of doing it all mentality that got us a little bit of success will be the same thing that roadblocks us from getting to the next level. And so the technical term for that is this law of diminishing returns. And so here's what I mean when I say that. I'm going to take you through kind of a 
um, agricultural example of what this could look like. And then I'm going to give you a very specific look of what this could look like using my business as an example. So the basic gist of the law of diminishing returns is that as we add resources to a goal or a project, we usually get a good return on our investment to a point. There comes a point where we can put in too many resources and it actually begins to limit our level of success or the amount of returns we get. So let's use a farming example. Let's imagine that you grow strawberries. <laughs> you've got a huge strawberry patch out on your yard and you're growing these for a living. So you've got a few acres of strawberries and you go out and you buy some fertilizer and you add a bag of fertilizer to the soil and you notice that you get more strawberries. So you think this is great. Look what I'm doing. So you go out, you spend a little bit money, you add a little bit more fertilizer. And again, now your strawberry quantity is doubling and you're getting a great return. So of course, you repeat the same thing, right? You get three bags of fertilizer, but now there's too much fertilizer in the soil. There's too many nitrates and it actually begins to harm the strawberries. It begins to burn the roots. And your strawberry plants, now that they've got three bags of fertilizer, are actually doing worse than when they only had two bags of fertilizer. Too much of that good thing, in this case, the fertilizer, was actually damaging to your final crop, actually brought you less returns. It diminished the results that you were after. Now let's take this to the way many of us work in the world, whether you're running a business like my client in Switzerland or you're running your own career. There's sometimes there's a myth that the amount of hours we put into any given task is going to result in a better output. So I'm going to use myself here as an example. I have come to find that myself as a coach, I do very well when I work roughly 25 hours a week. When I work more than that, my sympathetic nervous system, the part of my nervous system that's in charge of our stress response, gets activated. I begin to feel crunched and I'm no longer doing my best work. I begin to feel this pull to put out fires all day long. I become more reactionary in nature. So now I'm responding to the needs and requests and ideas of other people rather than originating action within myself. I'm no longer the leader of my own business or my own day or my own career when I put in too many hours. The hours are the fertilizer right, to my business. If I put in too many hours, we actually consistently see a drop in revenue or a drop in satisfaction of life. Right? So I'm at a point now where I've got enough team members that in order for us to take on more work, either I have to do it or I have to pay somebody else to do it. And so there definitely is an even greater law of diminishing return, where if we take on too much, if I as an individual or my team as a whole takes on too much, then we actually don't get the good results we're after. Now, this kind of flies in the face of convention, right? Because if we go back to where a lot of our modern workday philosophy comes from, it's centered around the Industrial Revolution. And this was the first time in European and then American history where there were enough human beings to warrant having factories. It made sense to build large buildings with conveyor belt systems so that people could get in a line and there would be a direct output between how many hours went into something and how much of that final product was made. So, for example, if it was your job to put the cap on brand new pens as they came down the conveyor belt, 
each time you put a cap on or you spent a certain amount of hours putting caps on, you were more likely to have more pens completed at the end of the day. And this method works very well for things like manual labor or repetitive tasks like data entry. However, in our modern economy, the most valuable asset there is, is creative problem solving. It's coming up with solutions. This is why we know a few years ago that we began to leave the information age. The systems for the acquisition and distribution of information are relatively set up. Of course, they'll continue to improve, but we don't need to allocate as much attention there as we now need to allocate towards creativity. You've heard me talk about this before. And so the law of diminishing returns is just another way of seeing the same thing, that creative output gets diminished when we feel crunched with responsibility, obligations, or the amount of time and energy we need to put into things. And so we just want to make sure that you aren't accidentally experiencing the law of diminishing returns because odds are, if you're listening to Messy and Magnificent, it's because you really care about your career. You want to do well for yourself or maybe you run your own business. And so I wanted to give you a few ways of looking at the way you're spending your time. Because this particular client who brought this up in the Reclaiming Time studio, what she was asking me really about was, okay, Carly, I know you talk about how self-care is part of your professional strategy. Can you be specific? Because she's heard me mention that the way I take care of myself is actually built into my workday. And she was wondering if I was being literal about that. And the answer is yes. <laughs> Heck yeah, I am very literal about the way that my personal well-being is built into my workday. So just now when I explained that Monday through Friday, I work roughly five hours a day. I work from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in a very focused way with a little roughly 30-minute lunch break each day, right? So it's actually about four and a half hours of very focused work. During that time, anything that makes a notification is turned off. So I'm my cell phone is on airplane mode unless I'm on the phone with a client. There's no dings from my email inbox. Nothing to distract me ideally is happening. I am fully present in there and I am able to get all of the work that we need done in that amount of time because prior to my official workday, I do the foundational practices that make me the ideal business person that I aspire to be. And that is unofficial time. I call it my daily thrive practice time. So first thing in the day, I wake up and I spend roughly two hours filling my cup. And it starts literally with filling my cup. I actually turn on the hot water boiler, the tea kettle in my kitchen, get some warm water brewing. Lately, I've been making quinoa porridge for breakfast, so that takes a little while. So I get it started. And while that's cooking, I do about a minute of breathing exercises. I write into my journal. I move my body in the ways it wants to move that day. Maybe it's 15 minutes of gentle yoga. Maybe it's a half an hour of vigorous dance. I'm learning how to dance right now. Then I hop in the shower. I eat my breakfast and my official workday begins. When I do this most days, I'm pretty spacious with it. It takes me about two hours. There is the condensed version for the rare days when that needs to happen. But on most days, I have two hours of time to fill up my cup because that is what then allows me to get so much done in less time later. So I consider my workday roughly seven hours long because that time in the morning, while nobody else knows it's going on unless I talk about it, is essential 
to the levels of productivity and profit that my business is able to run because I'm no longer scattered trying to do all the things. I'm very clear about what my role is because I'm more centered, I'm more grounded, I'm ready to rock and roll when the day is starting. I'm not starting the day with an empty cup anymore. And the same for all my clients these days. So if we talk about the six pillars of working hours, these are the different types of hours that your career is built upon. I want you to keep an eye out for which one or two of these is really speaking to you right now, which one's really landing and making sense, because I'm going to circle back to that at the end of this episode. So these are in no particular order, but just notice which one stands out for you. Pillar number one is that focused, uninterrupted time that I just mentioned earlier. This is the time during the day when you shut down as many distractions as possible and hone your focus. You fan the flames of your attention to one specific task, right? So your phone goes in airplane mode. You shut your office door if it's possible. If you're in a cubicle, you put on your headphones. If you're working from home from kids with kids, this is the part where you lock yourself in your closet or whatever you need to do, right? In order to get the uninterrupted time for a task or project that you have at hand that you know would get done so much faster if you were able to focus on it. So pillar number one of the type of work hours we've got are this focus uninterrupted time. So maybe you can make a mental note about something specific that you're working on right now that you know would do better if you had some focused uninterrupted time. Pillar number two of the types of work hours we can do is thinking time. This is the type of time where maybe you don't have a pen and pencil in hand, or maybe you're doing a little bit of light doodling and you're just processing an idea that you've got. So maybe you've got a client or a coworker or something going on within your company that you've been needing to work your way through. You've been needing to do a little bit of thinking around it. I want to give a shout out to my dear colleague and friend, Phil. Phil, if you're listening, Phil's been going on these four-hour walks every day during COVID. And I think this is a great example of thinking time, right? It doesn't look like anything to anybody else. (laughs) When he's out on his daily walks, he has the opportunity to process, think, reevaluate things in an entirely new light because he's in a new area. So for many of us, linking thinking time to a physical action goes a long way, whether it's as simple as just doodling on your desk, um, on a piece of paper, or it's actually moving your body, walking out to your car and back walking around the block if that's possible. I, because I work from home, I put on the music and I dance it out (laughs) in the middle of my living room, right? Because that's my thinking time. It's one way to just let things just kind of be, just percolate new ideas. So just noticing, is there something that you just need to give yourself some permission to think about? You need to structure in a little bit of thinking time into your calendar for five minutes or 10 minutes or three hours or whatever it needs to look like for you. Pillar number Three is learning time. Learning time is where we begin to up our game a little bit. And learning time could look like any number of things. This could be you reading a trade publication, something that speaks specifically to the niche of your work, or it could be reading articles in a magazine that inspires you, or taking a few hours of a course or 20 minutes or so of listening to a podcast. This is where we're consciously upping our education level, right? So what's one thing that you know that if you were a little bit better at or if you learned how to do it would make everything else a little easier? 
and making sure that each week there's some dedicated time to live in to that thing, right? So for example, for me right now, one thing that would make everything a whole lot easier specifically for this podcast would be if I got a slightly better microphone system set up. So it wasn't so complicated for me to use my mic each day. And so this week, I've dedicated 20 minutes to just a Google search, right? It's not a complicated education time. I just need to do a Google search, watch a couple YouTube videos. I'm sure I'll know exactly which type of microphone arm to buy, and then we're good to go, right? So sometimes it's big, massive learnings, and sometimes they're just short things. But what we're looking for here is to focus our education around something that would make everything else a little bit easier or unnecessary altogether once you have a handle on it. Now, the fourth pillar of our working hours is restorative time. <laughs> this is the time where we're really actively refilling our cup. So I walked you through my daily Thrive practice in the morning, which is a really lengthy restorative time. And I just want to point out, I've had my company for 14 years. It took me a long time to get to two hours of this type of practice. It began with me giving myself 10 or 15 minutes three times a week to stretch. That was about 10 years ago. Right? <laughs> I've just slowly added on from there. But we want to make sure that you have restoration time throughout your day. So maybe that just looks like you walking down the hall to refill your cup of water. Or maybe this looks like you making sure that you're getting a proper luncheon, that you're actually getting the nourishment you need. Your physical nourishment is a great starting point in order to do the rest of the work that you've got at hand, right? So pillar number five, as we look at these six types of work, is culmination time. Now, I talk about culmination a lot because this is an essential part of the way we run our business. And if you want to hear the more detailed system for how we do this as a company, go listen to episode 36, where I talked about a simple practice that you can use to process things that have just happened in your career or things that are happening right now so that you can really move forward with wisdom and grace so that we're not just accidentally repeating the same tasks again and again, but rather we pause to culminate, meaning we marinate. We look at two specific things. We reflect upon one thing that you're doing well that you might just turn the volume up on or you might repeat it again. So for example, if you noticed, you know what? I'm getting pretty good at, at public speaking. When I lead these Zoom meetings, I seem to be a pretty good host. So maybe that's something you want to repeat again in the future. On the flip side, we also want to consider at least one thing that you could either change or let go of altogether because it hasn't been of service to you this week. So maybe you're having the opposite experience. Maybe you're noticing, you know what? I am just not made to be the leader of these Zoom meetings. <laughs> this is the part where you consider, okay, do I need to modify the way I'm running them? Do I need a little bit of training on something? Or do I just need to let somebody else run these meetings or work on a different platform, right? So the culmination time at its most simple just looks at what is one thing that's going well that I might continue to repeat next week. And what is one thing that's not going so hot that I'm either going to modify or let go of all together here? Now, we're getting into the sixth and final pillar here. And this one is essential. They all are. But specifically, this one is the one that I think a lot of us are missing in general, even before COVID, but certainly now. And this is the relationship pillar. Every single week, we want to make sure that you are connecting with a person who is at least two steps ahead 
of where you are professionally. There's this interesting thing I'm noticing about all of the women that I work with and with a lot of the audience members who are tuning in to Messy and Magnificent. So you tell me if this is relatable. But you are the go-to person for everyone, professionally and personally. People come to you with their stories because they know that you're a safe sounding board, because you have good ideas, because you're really talented at getting things done and you genuinely like to help. But what happens is if we are only in the stage of giving, giving, giving and lifting other people up all the time, we will sabotage our own energy level. We will exhaust ourselves. This is where pausing to sharpen the blade looks like being connected to somebody else who actually inspires you. Now, maybe there's somebody that you can think of. Maybe there's a person that you actually know that you could schedule a virtual tea time with or an impersonal tea time with. But maybe it's an author or a speaker or a writer or a TED talk that would give you nourishment about your career, that you could be inspired and uplifted by somebody who's a few steps ahead of you in that regard. If you are constantly the furthest most person in your circle, you are being held back. You must be connected to somebody who uplifts you if you expect to be uplifting other people for the long haul, or else it's unsustainable. So quick recap on those six pillars of time and the way we spend them in our career. We've got that focused, uninterrupted time. We've got thinking time. We've got learning time. We've got nourishing or restoring time. We've got our culmination time. And we've got our relationship time. Now, if this is a brand new concept, do not think that you suddenly need to do every single one of these this week. In an ideal scenario, if these were listed down on a piece of paper, you would at least check and make sure that there's a little bit of each of this within the week. These are the things that sharpen your blade. If these are not happening on a regular basis, you're the first lumberjack. You're chopping wood all day long. You're hot and sweaty. You're frustrated. And odds are you're feeling isolated, even though there's lots of other lumberjacks around you because you feel like you're the only one who's doing the real work, right? And that is not sustainable. So I want you to consider of these six pillars, which one is really standing out to you that you could make a point to put some of your work into that category this week? Are you going to schedule some thinking time? Are you going to schedule some restorative time, some culmination time, some relationship time, some focus uninterrupted time, or maybe learning or thinking time, right? A lot of these things you might be doing unconsciously. When we do them consciously is when we amplify the power of our time. We no longer spread it out haphazardly, unconsciously. We're no longer throwing a bunch of our time against the wall like pasta when my mom used to cook when we were kids and hoping something sticks. We actually can be strategic about knowing that your time is being used well. So I want to know from you, which of these six types of time is really standing out to you? Post a comment about it on iTunes or tag me in it on social media. It's one thing to talk about these kind of things. It's another thing to live into them. So tell me which one of these is standing out and how you might apply it to your work this week. And we'll take the conversation from there. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including yourself. And I will see you again next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.